Welcome to the Bavala at Odds podcast. I'm your host, Seth Everett. The head odds maker at BavadaSportsbook.com is Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, uh, spring training baseball is here. And uh, guess what? The games are short. How about that? Seth, did they did they finally listen to you? Did uh, you know? I, I think I think Manfred must be uh, you know, a listener to this show because at the way that you've gone off, absolutely gone off on them over the years. I, maybe someone's listening. I don't know what to say, but he yeah, uh, shorter. Go ahead. My favorite thing was Friday uh, when the uh, when the Red Sox were playing the Atlanta Braves, and the Red the Braves had bases loaded in a full count with two outs. And they had already agreed that they weren't going to play extra innings. You know, that, mm-hmm. that happens in spring training. You just say, we didn't bring pitchers or, you know, whatever it is. They just, they said it's, it's over after nine innings. And uh, the, the guy, <laughs> Cal Conley is his name, the guy for Atlanta. And I guess after with eight seconds left on the pitch clock, he wasn't in the batter's box and it's an automatic strike. So the game ended <laughs> on the new rule. I was dying i said now that's funny that makes me laugh well it was really really good to see the i I enjoyed seeing the just the reactions to it right because of course the teams involved are a little bit more high profile and then the immediate takeaway was what if this happens in october what if this happens in a meaningful i I mean i guess the takeaway is is good what happens if it's in a game that counts yeah and I, i mean i guess the takeaway is well either good this is the intention this is what uh Fans have told us, and listen, there's 162 games that will matter before we get to games in October. Maybe players will figure that out, but that's the case. Maybe the MLB relent on a little bit. Maybe they'll make a a change for ninth inning or later. Um, Maybe there could be some kind of middle ground there. I don't really know, but listen, I I like that for the, what I'll consider the very first time it appears, the MLB's actually trying a little bit. Uh, You know, they did this stuff with spring training last year. Sorry, not spring training, uh, the minors last year. And they saw that games went by faster. Um, you had more stolen base attempts, which is uh, an exciting play in a sport that can otherwise feel like a bit of a, a slog. So I thought it was great. Listen, the fact that we're talking about MLB and what they're doing and a little bit of controversy in spring training, a part of the year where I barely like to pay attention, aside from just making sure that nobody's getting injured and we don't have to rush out and adjust our futures odds. Uh they're trying. It's 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 something. You know, well, if this means less four hour games on a Wednesday in August, uh, I'm certainly interested at that face value. Well, so far, every game has been under 240. I mean, every Ooh, I game like in that. baseball at the time of this recording, every game has been under 240. So that's that's impressive. Um, and but but again, you know, as somebody who's covered baseball for a quarter century, um, I'll just say it's not time of game; it's pace of play. Um, I haven't watched enough to really get it, get a gauge. We'll, we'll, we'll see uh, the, the memes on t- social media of the bases, you know, they have the bigger 18 inch, 18 square inch base, uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to the standard 15 square inch base. And they were comparing it to the size of a pizza box. <laughs> that was making me laugh. Uh, all of this has been making me laugh. The, the, the thing with the count with the pitch timer, um, and and the, the you're only allowed to throw uh, over to first base for a pickoff attempt twice. That's weird. That that, that that's an awkward thing. Um, the reason why I say that that that's awkward is because it's going to lead to a lot more stolen bases. Because once you know you've thrown over twice, guys are going to mm-hmm. take giant leads. 
Again, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how that. If that's what you want, if if you want more stolen bases, you're getting it. You're that. That's what you're getting. Um, you know, the, the, you've already seen uh, hits where there would have been a player had there been a shift. So the elimination mm-hmm. of the shift, I have called for the elimination of the shift for at least ten years. So that's yes. something that should have been done. As long as I know you, I've been saying get rid of the shift. I look, give it a shot. You know, the extra inning rule is stupid. Uh, again, no one has ever complained about an extra inning game going too long. People complain about a nine inning game going too long. That It's never been extra innings. Extra innings was not the thing that needed fixing. It's the nine innings that needed fixing. Let's see. If you fix it, you fix it. Yeah, I'm optimistic. I mean, I will likely do the same thing I do every year and get very, very excited for the Toronto Blue Jays home opener or first game when it's on the road, whatever the case. I'll be into that, I'll be excited for that, and then I will enjoy the game through the box score, as I usually do uh, the remainder of the year. If it gets to playoff time, then so be it. Uh, I'd like the idea to be roped back in, but it's, you know, by definition, it's just, even with a faster game, uh, just the nature of every single pitch, every single, you know, pickoff, whatever, uh, it's still, it doesn't produce that instant stimuli kind of results that, whether it's how fast the NHL is, where something can happen at any second, uh, NBA can be fast paced, uh, you know, NFL, every play, every 15 to 30 second increment in there matters so much. And when it's seven, one, uh, there's you know, rarely the over under comes into play. That's not a point spread that takes into account that there's just a run line in baseball. It's, it's going to be difficult to keep, uh, I think players and fans still engaged, but uh, again, uh, I'll give them credit for trying, um, you know, if they're willing to pivot, if some of the stuff doesn't work out, then that's great too, but uh, they're certainly trying. And I think, you know, and it sounds like with some of these, uh, you know, sports media bankruptcies that are on the horizon as well, they better start trying because they can't just rest on the laurels of whatever. We got the contracts. We got the money. We're going to be OK. Uh, we really got to be forward thinking. So sometimes having uh, your feet to the fire like that uh, helps breed innovation. Well, it's, it, it looks you know, that looks uglier than ever. There's a, there was a story that came out. You know, we talked about uh, the Bally Sports Networks, which there are plenty uh, of them. Uh, but the also the AT&T Sports Networks, um, Warner Brothers Discovery, which owns uh, AT&T Sportsnets, uh, they want out. And they are talking about filing Chapter 7, which is different from Chapter 11, which is what the ballets are, are, are supposed to file. Uh, they want out of their uh, agreements. And again, these payments are such a high percentage of the revenue for these teams uh, you take those away, there is going to be such a disparity in revenue that it'll translate to all aspects of baseball. Um, I was talking to some uh, baseball a- aspects. You know, the quick response to all the stories that came out was from all the commissioners was, well, don't worry, we'll make the games available, we'll stream them. There's been a little known you know, hasn't got a lot of publicity, but the MLS season started this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw, but MLS has an exclusive deal with Apple TV plus, right. And in the U S and Apple, uh, in essence, you, you, you pay a flat rate and you can watch every game. You can see every game, no blackouts, no local blackouts. But the difference is, None of the teams have local announcers. Everything is done like the Premier League in which 
You have an eighteen. Yeah, you know, you have team one, team two, team three, team four of the announcers, and they assign, you know, Sky Sports or whoever does the assignments for the Premier League. They sign, you know, Ian Dark for one game and Derek Ray for second game, and you know, whatever, whoever the the Lee Dixon for the other games. You know, that's how they do it in the Premier League. Well, that's how they're doing it in MLS. What happens if Major League Baseball puts exclusive games for the Tigers, the Rockies, the Pirates, the Rays, all these teams on MLB.tv? Who's calling these games? Who's producing these games? Just blanketly saying, don't worry, they'll be available. Someone has to go to work to put those games on. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. first of all, good people are going to lose jobs out of this. That that that's no question in my mind. And the way you watch, so could you imagine if on a typical Tuesday, instead of watching the Mets announcers or the Phillies announcers or the Red Sox announcers, you're watching the third announcer. Mm-hmm. That's a very yeah. It's uh, that's a very different way to watch sports. Yeah, I also wonder just because, I mean, my baseball consumption from a TV basis is, is still very limited on a year-to-year basis. So you think of the Vin Scullys of the world um, who became synonymous with Dodgers broadcast. I just wonder for the rest of the league, though. Oh, Bob, you uh, with is, the is, Brewers, is, right? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Sure. Um, You know, the Red Sox crew, of course. uh Jerry, what's his name? Like you, th- there are voices that become synonymous Jerry Remy. with how yeah, you. Yeah, Jerry Remy, yeah. Joe Castiglione on radio. Yep, exactly. Um, I I do wonder after you branch out from guys like that, though, how much. So I, I'm obviously coming at this from the point of view of, of a Jays fan, and I mean, I don't know that my in, enjoyment of the game is enhanced by, and I'm not trying to crap on Buck Martinez. He, I, I don't know that I enjoy. A Jays game better if he's calling it or from watching on a visitor station or ESPN. So for some of these networks, I think they might be okay. Like the Pittsburgh Pirates. I like game. Buck they, Martinez. They more... I like Dan Shulman better. Is that fair? Yeah, that's incredibly fair. I love Dan Shulman and I like Dan Shulman calling not just Jays games but also uh, what he does with uh, college hoops. Yeah, yeah. Shulman's really, really good and and biased. Uh, maybe because Canadian as well. But no, I, I mean Buck Martinez is fine. But like, I think I'm okay replacing level. I like Dan Shulman a lot and. But I, I just I don't know what the especially and this is Major League Baseball's biggest problem, right? Is the age of their audience? Um, what young up and coming people are engaging with baseball in the way that they engage with the NBA, in the way they engage with NFL or NHL hockey? It's it's quite the challenge there. So I I, I think to some degree, and I do feel bad for people that are going to end up getting uh, you know cut from all this, but. I, I don't know if you're the Pirates, if you're whoever else, uh, does it really matter who you have in the booth? You just need well, someone calling X's and O's and no, no, no. The, pirate, occurred, the but... Pirates have announcers. Hey, the, 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 here's the here's the difference. The, the the thing the thing that has to be realized is uh, the season is starting in about five weeks, and yes. so you got to figure this out. You know, a, a buddy of mine, this guy Wayne Randazzo, he uh, he actually replaced me at the Mets radio network, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. And then he parlayed that into a Mets play-by-play job. He left the Mets radio to go join the Angels broadcast. So he's the new television voice of the Los Angeles Angels. That's on a Bally Sportsnet. Like, he left a gig to go to another job. 
He didn't know that Bally's was going to file for bankrupt. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how that all solves itself. And I think that more than these rules, no offense uh, on these rules, but I think that more than these rules is how are these games going to be consumed? Because I think that's going to be a major thing. Again, for NBA and NHL, the payments for this season have been made. So it's not for the rest of this NBA season and the rest of this NHL season. It's going forward. This is a baseball problem first. It will be an NBA and an NHL season uh, issue, you know, in the fall. But like COVID, we'll cross that bridge. And and as we mentioned, uh, aside from just consuming, uh, for the teams that actually rely on this revenue to make front office or day-to-day payroll, um, that will become a big question because... Uh, you know, there are a lot of teams that uh, are not keeping the lights on because of attendance. They're keeping the lights on because of these Television radio TV revenues. deals that they have. And they go yeah. sideways. Then, you know, how do they put together a competitive right? roster? How do they, you know, keep together a large scouting team or however they would like to run their baseball day to day that's reliant on that? So, yeah, so many moving pieces there. And I, I just made my th- made myself think about it. I wonder how that impacts the futures board. But uh, we'll get there another time. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge. We'll we'll definitely cross that bridge. All right, this weekend is the NFL Combine. Now, people consume football in all walks of life. Uh, This is a huge television rating. It's crazy to think about because they're literally just watching guys work out. But people are putting a lot of money on this. What What are folks betting on and what are the odds? Oh, goodness, Seth. Why can the NFL ever take any day off? I mean, we have uh, the draft to look forward to soon. The Super Bowl was just a mere two weeks behind us, I think. Um, nicer times for me being in Costa Rica. Now I'm freezing back in Montreal. But yeah, we, we have the combine. And as we say too many times to count, the NFL is king. So while we do have some omissions at the combine, we know Bryce Young's not going to be there throwing. He's going to wait for the Alabama Pro Day. Uh there's going to be a lot of other people in attendance, uh, including Rich Eisen running as well. But uh, looking at the actual players, you know, we're looking at will some records at the combine be broken? Uh, will anybody run, you know, the fastest 20 yard shuffle to be 3.81? Fa- you know, it's it sounds really granular. It seems really specific, but this really goes to show uh, just how much our players at Bavada love to digest this stuff. So whether it's bench pressing, whether it's running, whether it's the broad jump, uh, sounds like my old track and field days, but we've got all this on the website and they're all taking a lot of money. I would say the most bet on one so far is fastest 40 yard dash time. If it's faster than 4.29 seconds, that has taken the most money so far at Bavada, but the whole the whole draft combine stuff is just absolutely nuts. The money is just piling in, Seth. All right, let's quickly switch gears to college basketball. The conference tournaments are next week. So teams are jockeying for position in seedings. I know there's a lot of bye weeks and such like that for all these uh, massive conference tournaments. So we are two weeks away from Selection Sunday. What are people betting on now? Because we'll be revisiting this in the weeks to come. Yeah, interesting to see where our futures board has come uh, all the way from October uh, before games really started to get going. And I think what's been interesting so far is that Houston has been uh, finally recognized. The analytics community has really liked the University of Houston Cougars for the last couple of years. They've had some uh, deep runs into March and uh, they're, they're the current one seed and they're the current odds on favorite at Bavada at plus 650. 
Uh, finally, because uh, listen, they're getting the AP votes. Ken Palm loves them. They're playing really strong, consistent basketball. Uh, you know, we we like them to be one of the top teams, uh, one of the last four standing, definitely last year. But I would say outside of that, what has been uh, surprising has been the kind of money that Alabama has continued to take in, even after the recent issue with Brandon Miller uh, being connected to that kind of shooting. We didn't know if that's going to be a distraction to the team. Uh, they're currently out there at 10 to 1 and still being bet a lot heavily. Uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of money on the game to game base. I think what's really been impressive is uh, Texas, the Longhorns at number nine this year. They started off all the way at something like 50 to one. They're down to 10 to one. Uh, they've had really, really, a really strong run. Um, you know, I, I love this time of year because I actually get to pay attention and give college basketball the dues that I wish I could November when it's dominated by some of these other uh, sports that are out there, you know, really a, a buffet of sports to enjoy. But I would say the other team that's been really, really impressive has been uh, Mick Cronin and UCLA. Uh, in his three years at UCLA, um, he's got to the Final Four a couple times. He's got a number four ranked team right now. They are currently 12 to 1 at Bavada after having much higher odds to start the year. A really, really popular bet with us. Um, I love it. I, you know, as much as we have conference tourney games to look forward to, Seth, next week, uh, we're really starting to see the top of the futures board really solidified as to who we're expecting to maybe make deep runs in March. So uh, really, really fun time of year. Well, I can say this for college basketball. Things are so bad in Syracuse that Syracuse right now is either an eight or a nine seed in the ACC tournament. If they lose the next two games, they could fall to a 10 seed which means they'd have to win five games in the ACC tournament. They would need to win three just to qualify for the NIT. They would need to win five to get into the NCAA tournament. They have no chance. I mean, that's so sad. It's how the mighty have fallen. I don't know. I maybe are. Are you you maybe setting the reverse jinx in place for a a conference tourney run like they've needed in the past? Uh, to uh, make the big well, show, I, I don't know. They have to make sure that they don't get the uh, the ten seed. As long as they get the nine seed, then they get the, the the first first round bye, and then they play you know the eight nine game, which uh, you know they could win. I think it'll right now they're supposed to match up against Wake Forest. That's a winnable game, and then the, if they win, they play the top seed Pittsburgh. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and, and uh, I mean, yeah. the, the beauty of these tourneys, though, Seth, is uh, their single elimination. It's 40 minutes. Uh, uh, if your team if can get hot Pittsburgh. from three. Th- yeah. If, if Syracuse beats, beats Pittsburgh, we'll do this podcast next week at the Prudential Center. Uh, all right. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> can we announce that yet? Is that is that official? I think so. We're doing our first road trip, folks. Our the, uh, the podcast is going to be live. Well, it's not going to be live. It's going to be whenever you press play on it. But uh, we're recording it uh, during a uh, New Jersey Devils Toronto Make Believes game uh, at Prudential Center. You your team's facing my team, and we are going to go. We're going to have live commentary going on throughout the game. Yeah, we're going to do a two and a half are- hour podcast. A lot of edits, or, or or maybe we'll just deliver it to your raw folks, or maybe we'll do, give two versions. What we really need is a Patreon for this as well, so that people can get the behind the scenes stuff and really behind get granular stuff. with it. But <laughs> the cutting room floor, 
Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot more cursing, a lot more controversial takes. Uh, you know, pie is exactly three. <laughs> yeah, a lot more cursing. Pie is exactly three. Uh, you'll find uh, Seth and I are actually secret flat earthers. Uh, some really good stuff on the uh, you know the bonus content episode. But you... yeah, after after a few years of doing this, uh, we've decided that I should prove to Seth that I'm actually not just a hologram and that I am an actual <laughs> he's a real person. Physical. I'm a real person. I'm a real person. He's gonna be I'm not in my car. Somebody... It's gonna be crazy crazy i know i, I know uh i'm gonna confirm to him that i'm not just the most advanced deep fake that bavada has been able to create with our excellent ai system so but yeah folks for that game we're going to be talking uh you know a little bit of the process of what in-game odds making works how it changes uh pre-match uh from pre-match uh and how those odds look when a goal is scored hopefully many 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 by the make believes in that one what the odds of devil's comebacks to be very unlikely assuming the leaps go up early and uh, kind of what that process looks like. So we will actually be able to react in real time at the game when stuff is happening, when there are penalties, if it's a five on three, what Better overtime shootouts look like. That'd be extra batteries. Uh, come on, Seth. You're the tech guy on this. I'm leaving that up to you. I, I, I'm just bringing my energy and hopefully a little bit of wisdom. But uh, yeah, really looking forward to that next week. Our first of hopefully many uh, on-site uh, podcast uh, recordings. So Really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to spending time with the great Seth Everett. And uh, yeah, hopefully I get don't get too much trouble in the game uh, being a traveling Leafs fan, but we'll see. The NHL this week will have its trade deadline, and it seems like every team in the Eastern Conference made a blockbuster deal. Carolina made a deal. The, the, the New York Rangers made a deal. Oh, and my beloved New Jersey Devils made a big, big-time deal. Uh, how have the NHL futures changed, especially in that Eastern Conference? Seth, what a what a weekend and week of transactions in the NHL. Uh, listen, the, the Leafs went for it as well with uh, Ryan O'Reilly. So, you know, they're, they're going to be up there as well. But, I mean, how good is the Eastern Conference playoffs going to be oh. this year? I mean, I'm, I'm already kind of – I'm simultaneously excited and depressed at the Leafs, you know, losing in the first round uh, once again. But that's because of how tight it is, I think. You know, looking at the futures board and how this has moved, uh, these are impact signings all over the place. But because so many teams did it, it's still relatively tight. I mean, we saw Carolina move from eight to one down to seven to one. We saw Toronto dip from 10 to one down to nine to one. Looking at your New Jersey Devils, they were 18 to one. They are now down to 15 to one. So we're seeing some tight movements. But man, this is still a conference where the Boston Bruins still exist. Uh, and their current uh, plus 425 overall Stanley Cup favorites at Bavada. So when I see how tight that is, we see six to one, six fifties, eight to ones, 12 to ones out there. Uh, man, we are in for some really good hockey. And uh, I, I mean, just what I'm although I hate to say your New York Rangers, not your New York Rangers, your Ugh. ill-begotten New York Rangers. God, they're right there in the mix two at eight to one, Seth. So uh, my gosh, I, I think we just saw the rich get richer leading in to the weekend and it's i think it's only gonna get crazier with the trade deadline but man we have good hockey in front of us those playoff matchups every one of those series is going to be must watch literally i we're gonna have to quit our jobs and just and just watch hockey it's gonna be so good it's gonna be so good and uh you know it's funny that the devil's people are talking about uh, you know, like their coaches, they're they're talking all about uh, what's it called? You know, they're saying, well, this is a learning experience. You know, this is a, t- a, t- a franchise on the rise. You get there, you want to win. You don't want to go there and lose. And you, you, you know, the Devils fan remembers what it was like to be champions. 
you know and we talked about this you and i off air but uh did you see this weekend the devils uh honored their uh 2003 stanley cup championship that was the last time the devils were champions and it was cool and you know you think about 20 years since that championship a lot of the guys are 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 you know middle-aged guys they're in their 40s you know uh joe newendike i think is the oldest guy he had been acquired that year that was his third cup with thir- three different teams he won with calgary he won with uh dallas and then of course he finished his career with uh new jersey and you know just the idea that you know you had a wide age age range but it was cool to see marty brodeur and Colin White and all these these champions. I remember that 2003 championship. That was the first of the the uh, the Devils uh, Cup Finals, and that was the the Devils' only championship that I saw in person. I was at that game seven, um, which was really really awesome. Um, so it was a great memory. And then I found out that that next morning that the New York Knicks played the New Orleans Pelicans at Madison Square Garden, and they too honored a champion of their past their illustrious history, the 50th anniversary of their 1973 NBA championship. 50th anniversary. That means nobody there is younger than 75. Was that, was there even a shot clock then? Um, were they still, uh, you know, taking the baskets out of peach baskets? You know, James Naismith had to poke it out at the end. Um, had they had, was there a three point shot then? Uh, sorry, Knicks fans. Just these are the important questions that uh, I'm just trying to learn as a, a fan of sports. So, but hey, hey good for them. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll own this as well because as a Leafs fan, uh, we're we're creeping up on almost sixty years since our last championship. So listen, but folks, you, I can give it. I can take a, it. I mean, think about it. Willis Reed's no longer with us, right? He's mm-hmm. not there. While Frazier is still their announcer, so so he's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil Jackson is still there. And and think about the fans. Think about the fan, the age of the fans that remember that year. Like, it's one thing. Like, think about the generation. Like, my kids, they don't know any of the Devils championships. They were Mm -hmm. babies when the Devils went to the finals in 2012 when they lost to the Kings. Right? They were babies. One of them was one. The other one was four. You know what I mean? Like, they they don't remember that. This is their first taste of the playoffs for them. But for me, I remembered 1995. Like, I remember all of them. I'm 40. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be 49 this weekend. When I was young and I wanted to be a goalie uh, growing up in Canada playing ice hockey, because obviously everybody plays ice hockey in Canada, you get your first pair of skates after, you know, your first communion. But you, Marty Broder was my favorite player. That's uh, That was the goalie that I wanted to be, uh, you know, I, I just – he was so impressive. Like I had all the hockey cards, everything else. I mean, those devils teams were so fun, you know, uh, my, my great playoff battles as, as well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's cool that you've got that. Like I obviously haven't had no Leafs enjoyment in my lifetime, at least with any kind of meaningful postseason success. My dad was 13 the last time they won the Stanley cup. So even he can only vaguely remember what that was like on black and white TV. So, uh, yeah, so no, it's exciting for the next generation of Devils fans to you know get a bit of a glimpse of uh, what looks like a pretty good team, not just this year, but perhaps for years to come. And as a Leafs fan here, I mean, we're in the mix, but all that being said, it is the hardest trophy to win in U.S. sports just because of once you get to the playoffs, anyone's got a shot. 
a hot goalie, uh, the right bounce in overtime in the in the third or fourth overtime for some of these games. It's uh it's uh it's exhilarating, it's exhausting, it's manic, it's depressing, it's all those wonderful emotions. Uh, you know, e- even the Bruins, you know, they're the best team on paper, but uh they still gotta win all those series to get there. And uh, you know, there's a good chance someone knocks them off. Well, I can remember the the Devils uh first championship I was in college. I was a junior at Syracuse University and the Devils the year before, uh, remember they had lost to the Rangers in that dramatic uh, conference finals. And I had interned at WFAN and it was, um, they were the flagship of the Rangers and everybody in the building was a Ranger fan. And I was the only Devils fan (laughs) and it was torture when the Rangers beat the Devils. And then the next year they, they, I, I was up in Syracuse because I had taken a job. I was doing the New York Penn League. I was calling uh, the Auburn uh, single A baseball team for the Houston Astros, the Auburn Astros. And um, the Devils were in the playoffs that year. And that was the year they they beat uh, Philadelphia in the playoffs. That's when uh, that's when uh, Scott Stevens clocked Eric Lindros. Remember that hit? And oh, yeah. um, I don't, I don't think Eric Lindros does, but uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. And then they won, but the rumor was the devils were going to move. That was the, the whole thing was that whole season, they were going to move uh, to Nashville. They were going to move mm-hmm. to Nashville, Tennessee. That was the rumor was that they were going to announce it that summer. And uh, at the parade, I remember the parade was in the, the parking lot of the Meadowlands. And Chris Terreri, the backup goalie, came on the, the podium holding a poster that he had made saying, Nashville, no way. I remember mm. that. And I thought, what a interesting bookend because my career started the next year. I thought the Devils were going to, that was going to be the end. Like they were going to end it with a championship. And they, they won and they wound up staying and they didn't get the new arena for like another 15 years. Um, but then they, uh, the, the second championship, I was living in Seattle in 2000. <laughs> it was not a person in Seattle. <laughs> that cared about hockey. And I remember I do watched you, that whole playoff by myself. <laughs> so do you think that, do you think that initial win, uh, do you think that saved them from going to Nashville? It could have, it could have, but if you remember the NHL did expansion and uh, mm-hmm. they created the predators soon after. Right. I think that had something I just to do need... with it also. Okay. A lot of moving parts. Cause yeah, like you hate to be <laughs> the team that just won everything. And then they're literally on the way out the door afterwards. I mean, that just would have been a really bad look for hockey too. Right. To well, my argument, the case, my argument back then was that if they, if they weren't going to be supportive, you know, you didn't have to have a team there. And I didn't mm-hmm. think I was going to live in this area. So I, I just thought, you know, like it would have been a chapter of my life. You know, I moved right. to New Jersey the same day they did. You know, my first hockey game was their first game. And, you know, I've just I've been synonymous with that franchise my whole life. And, you know, it's funny because the next year I got a job in the American Hockey League and I worked in the American Hockey League and they had the lockout that year. Um, And I was working the American, you know, and and so the next year after that, uh, when they when they Devils were the defending champs, uh, I worked in the American Hockey League. And then the year after I wound up working with the Avalanche. And the avalanche, that was, uh, you know, the, the, the big Chris Draper hit, you know, Claude Lemieux on Chris Draper and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And then in 2000, but then in 2003, 
uh, I had come back to New York and I was working for Fox Sports Radio. And uh, they said, would you cover the Devils in the playoffs? I was like, sure. <laughs> so I had a press credential. And I sat in the press box at the old Meadowlands Arena and I saw that game live. J.S. Giguere. I was going to ask you off air, but I, I think the listeners would like to know as well. But that Avalanche uh, Detroit Red Wings documentary that just came out, what was it called uh, again? Uh, Unrivaled. Unrivaled. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, because that's, uh, I wish I could say one of my teams, but those Detroit Red Wings, Colorado Avalanche playoff oh series, God. man, those were, th- those were wars out there. That documentary those is were, unbelievable. That, it's yeah. unbelievable, that documentary. It's great. That's yeah. Great. Do yourself a favor, folks, and give that a, give that a viewing. Yeah, that's a, that's a crazy that's a crazy thing, and they talk about that first year because I wasn't there their first year. Um, I was that was my senior year at, at Syracuse, but their first year they couldn't uh, get anything. Uh, I've told those stories in the past, and then after they won the cup, uh, you know they couldn't get dinner reservations. They 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 were they were nothing, and it's featured in the in the documentary about how they couldn't get a seat at they couldn't get seated at the Cheesecake Factory in in Denver, Colorado. And uh, I remember uh, covering the Avalanche, uh, nicest guys, you know, Mike Ricci and uh, Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg and uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Waugh and uh, uh, just a great experience. Keith Jones, who's now a big fancy announcer. Um, That's right. Uh, Eric Lacroix, Rene Corbet, I, all, all those guys. They were they were great. They were absolutely yeah, great. A lot of French Canadian connections on that uh, Colorado Avalanche squad. Yes. Yeah, well, they were the Nordiques. Yeah. That's right. They were the Nordiques. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, but next the... podcast, it'll be a live from a sporting event. First ever time. Could be the last ever time, but it might be the first ever time. And, uh, you know, depending on how the game goes, folks, uh, we might be dropping the gloves. So uh, hope you enjoy. You never know. I'm going to get make sure Patrick wears a jersey. <laughs> we'll see you next <laughs> week on the Bavada at Odds podcast.